You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Are you ready to break free from the chains of anxiety, stress, and depression? Mike Moore, author and founding pastor of Faith Chapel and host of the How to Win podcast, is here with his new book, Help, My Mind is Under Attack. Learn how to overcome attacks on your mind and live an emotionally healthy life. Grab your copy now. Available as ebook on Amazon and paperback on MikeMoore.com. Embark on your journey to complete mental health and emotional peace. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. Listen, I'm so excited about having you with us. I am in my prosperity edition of how to win. And I'm excited because I believe that God has anointed me to help you to go from one level to another level of abundance in God. In our last episode, we began a series entitled The Believer's Covenant of Wealth, The Believer's covenant of wealth. The series theme that will run through the entire series is material wealth is important in God's plan for man. Material wealth is important in God's plan for man. Now, in our first episode, we talk from this title, God, our blood covenant partner. I'm telling you that was exciting. If you did not listen to episode one, you missed half of your life. But guess what? You can go to YouTube. You go to MikeMoore.com and you can listen to the first episodes because we define what blood covenant is and we use uh, two illustrations. We use the illustration of marriage and then the biblical illustration of Jonathan and David's covenant relationship. Now, we're going to dive deeper into this, so we're going to go back and review some things and then connect the dots. And in this episode, episode two, we're going to be teaching on five steps to entering a blood covenant. Are you ready? Now, background text, we gave it to you in episode one, is 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 3 through 4. I'll read it from the Amplified Bible. It says, then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own life. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor, even his sword, his bow, and his girdle. That's his belt. Now, in last, the first episode, this is episode two, in our first episode, we gave you a definition that I would like to go back and, and give to you again because we're building off this definition. What is a covenant? What is a blood covenant? Covenant is an agreement between two people or two parties in which everything they owned separately are now shared equally and owned by both. That 
is powerful. The two lives, you see, covenant, blood covenant is two lives, individuals entering into a blood covenant, and the two lives become one blood covenant relationship. <clears throat> now, in this episode, I am, I'm just running on the inside. I am jumping up and down on the inside because we're going to take you t- deeper. We use, <laughs> we use the relationship between David and Jonathan to show you a biblical Bible illustration of a blood covenant. We're going to go deep into that relationship. But we also introduced marriage, a natural illustration of a God-centric, Bible-based covenant marriage. And we, sh- we talked about the difference between just a legal contract that we call marriage and a blood covenant relationship, a blood covenant marriage. We're going to go back to that. And then we tied in covenant to our relationship with God, that we have a blood covenant relationship with God. So let's, let's talk from a historical perspective connected to our contemporary lives about steps to entering into a blood covenant. There are five basic steps to entering into a blood covenant. The first step is the exchange of coats or garments the exchange of coats and garments. Now, this step says, now listen carefully, this step says, all I own, all my possessions are available to my covenant partner. All my possessions, all I own are available to my covenant partners. So when when Jonathan, we read the text, when Jonathan gave David his robe, his garments, he was telling David that you have access to all my wealth. Remember, Jonathan was King Saul's, the first king of Israel, son, heir to the throne. With that position of being a son of the king, that was prestige, influence, power, and wealth. And so when David took off his, when Jonathan took off his robe, royal robe, and gave it to an ordinary shepherd, and when he took off his garments, he was saying to David, that you have access to all of my wealth. Now, listen at this. In the new covenant, now talking about our covenant with God, in the new covenant, God gives the believer his robe of righteousness and access to all of his riches. Wow. You know the text. Remember the text, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that he who knew no sin, referring to Jesus, became sin for us, that we through his 
unrighteousness may be made righteous. We were made righteous through Jesus' sacrificial, uh, his sacrificial giving of his life. Now think about it. Jesus died for us, the unrighteous, so that we could be made righteous. So, in similar fashion, God gave us his robe in the same way that Jonathan gave David his robe. But God gave us a robe of righteousness so that we could have access to all of his wealth. That's why Philippians 4.19 says, but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We are supplied by God's wealth because the covenant relationship gives us access to all of God's wealth. And that's what Jonathan was doing when he took off his robe and gave it to David. You now, a shepherd, has access to all of my wealth. Now, think about it. David, the scripture text that we read, says he he entered into covenant with David. Jonathan entered into covenant with David because he loved him. So God's motivation for entering into covenant with us is love. It's love. Think about it. God comes to the covenant table. We come to the covenant table. And what do we bring? We bring debts and liabilities and weaknesses and all that. And God brings wealth and wisdom and power and influence. Now, he has to be motivated by love because we have so little to offer. That is so powerful. So the first step in entering a blood covenant is the exchange of coats and garments. And the exchange of coats and garments says all I own, all my possessions are available to my covenant partner. The second step in entering a blood covenant is the exchange of weapons. The exchange of weapons. The exchange of weapons speaks. It says all my strength, all my power, all my war ability is available to you. It says I commit to fight for you. I commit to defend you. It says your enemies are my enemies. Wow. That's what David was saying to, that's what, pardon me, that's what Jonathan was saying to David. The Bible says that Jonathan gave David his sword and his bow, his belt. He, he's saying to David, Jonathan is saying to David, I commit to defend you. All of my war ability, all of my war strategies are at, at your access. Now think about it. Listen carefully now. This is powerful stuff. Because David 
is just a shepherd boy. Jonathan is King Saul's blood son, his son. Well, remember what the the scripture teaches, that uh, Saul became jealous of David and the praise that he was receiving and he became deranged, Saul became deranged and decided that he wanted to take David's life. Think about it. Your dad, who is the king, want to take your covenant partner's life. Well, covenant says, I, Jonathan, I am committed to defend you, David. I am willing to risk my life on your behalf. So when we read their relationship, Jonathan protected David from his own dad deranged assaults on David. He hid him. He didn't talk to his dad about where David was. He let David know what his dad was thinking about doing. And in essence, really, remember how kings ran their throne in those days? They would turn on family members. A king would kill his own wife, kill his own children. If he thought they were enemies, they would destroy their own family. So Jonathan is risking his life for David, his covenant partner, committed to protect Jonathan, (coughs) pardon me, from his own dad. So how does that translate to new covenant? In the New Testament covenant that we have with God, God gives the believer Jesus' victory. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. Now notice we get Jesus' victory, but not only that, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 says that we get his armor. We get God's armor. So we don't fight our enemies by ourselves. The Bible tells us to put on the whole armor of God. That's covenant. That's a covenant relationship. God is committed to you, believer, you Christian. He's saying your enemies will become my enemies. Your adversity will become my adversity. Your challenges will become my challenges. When Satan comes against you, God says he's coming against me. And I'm committed to defend you from Satan and demons and adversities and poverty and lack and sickness. God is making a commitment. He said, all my war power is available to you. That's why he gives us his armor. Wow, that's powerful. The third step in entering a blood covenant relationship is the exchange of names. Blood covenant partners exchange names. Now, this exchanging of names says the power of attorney is now, my power of attorney is now given to my covenant partner. And he or she has the legal right to use my name as I would use it. Wow. 
Now, you understand now why there's an exchange of names in marriage. You understand now in marriage, the wife takes on the last name of their of her new covenant husband. So my wife went from Kenitha Joe Brown to Kenitha Joe Moore. She took on my name. That's covenant relationship. And in covenant relationship, the person who gives the name is given power of attorney. And the person who's receiving the name has a right to use the name the same way the person who bestowed the name. In other words, now my wife, Kenitha Joe Moore, who previously was Kenitha Joe Brown, has a right to use more the same way I use it. She has the same authority. She signs her name, Kenitha Joe Moore. She signs bills and checks, Kenitha Joe Moore. And it is legal because we are covenant partners. And in covenant partnership, there is an exchange of names. Now you can understand, I wasn't being critical. I wasn't trying to put you down. But I, I said in our first episode, much of what we call marriage is really a distortion. Yes, it's legal. Yes, we got the paperwork. Yes, the courts deal with us as husband and wife. But it's not, in many cases, blood covenant marriage, because many times people don't even want to use their spouse's name. I want to keep my own name. You know, I want my own. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that because there may be business reasons that you're doing. Maybe you have a brand that's connected to your name. You want your name out there. I'm not saying that that's wrong, but to say, I don't want your name in any context it's a failure to understand blood covenant relationship. So in our new covenant with God, he's our blood covenant partner. Think about it now. He gives us his name. He gives us the name of Jesus, and we have a right to use Jesus' name in prayer, in combat, in, in the adversities of life. We have the right to use the name of Jesus the same way Jesus uses it. That's covenant covenant relationship. Now, the fourth step in the uh, covenant relationship, step one, was the exchange of coats and garments. It says, all of my own, all I own, all my possessions are available to my covenant partner. The second step is the exchange of weapons. It says, all my strength, all my power, all my war ability is available to you. I'm committed to defend you. And then there's the exchange of names. That's the, the exchange of the power of attorney. The covenant partner who receives the name has a right to use the name the same way the giver uses the name. And the fourth step, powerful step, is the shedding of blood. In true covenant relationship, there's the shedding of blood, the shedding of blood. The word covenant means to cut until blood flows. 
So in a customary, historical covenant relationship, they would cut the hand and shake hands, or they would cut the wrist and they would blend the blood. And that's where our handshakes come from. They would shake hands and the blood would mix there. Think about that. Sometimes there was the killing of an animal, the shedding of blood. But think about marriage and how God intended for marriage. God intended for two versions, a virgin man, a virgin woman, come together, never having engaged in sex before, and they they get married through their vows, and then they consummate that marriage in their first act of sex, and the wife's hymen, that membrane, is broken And the blood of that uh, uh, previous version now spills over the sheets. And when God looks at uh, that blood, he sees a covenant relationship. That's why God intends for us to be virgins when we get married. But think about it. In the new covenant, Jesus is the believer's Passover lamb, and he shed his blood to ratify this covenant that we have with God. And now finally, the fourth step is the covenant meal. Covenant partners enter into a meal. And the meal was eating, eaten to celebrate and remember the covenant. Now transfer that to the new covenant. We have a meal. We call that communion, the Lord's Supper. Some take it first Sundays and once a month or however, once a quarter. But we take that cup of that juice symbolizing the blood and we take that bread symbolizing the broken body of Jesus and we celebrate our covenant with God. Wow, it's powerful. And then when we translate that to marriage, then we eat together. My wife and I, we eat together all the time. We eat breakfast together and we eat lunches together. We eat dinners together. Now we miss sometimes and sometimes she may get a lunch and I get a lunch somewhere else. But most of our lives, we eat together because our eating together symbolizes covenant, a covenant relationship. I want to close this second episode. You got to go back and meditate. This is powerful stuff here. You got to meditate. I want to talk quickly about the price tag of ignorance. What if you don't know you have a black covenant? What if you don't know you have access to all that God has? And what if you try to hold your life back from God and don't allow him to have access to all you have? I'll give you an illustration in the Bible. In Luke chapter 13, verse 10 through 16, it says there was a woman in the synagogue. Jesus was teaching in the synagogue and there was a woman in the synagogue and the Bible says she had a spirit of infirmity and she was bowed over, bowed over for 18 years. She walked, not looking face forward like I'm looking now, but she was back. Her body was bent like my hand is bent right now. And she was walking around like that. And Jesus saw her, called her, and he said this. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, woman, you're loose from your infirmity. You're loose from it. You'll lose from your infirmity. He touched her. Immediately she was made straight and glorified God. 
The Bible says that the ruler of the synagogue became indignation, somebody who should, her pastor, her leader, who should have been happy about her deliverance. He got angry because Jesus healed on the wrong day. On the wrong day, she had been sitting in church 18 years, never received her healing. Jesus came in, spoke covenant language. You're loose, touched her. She was made straight, glorified God, and the ruler of the synagogue got angry. And Jesus looked at him and said, listen, you're a hypocrite. You will loose your ox and your ass you take on the Sabbath day and take it and get some water because you know that that ass, that ass, that donkey, and that ox needs water to survive, need water to survive. So even on the Sabbath day, you take your, you loose the ox. And then Jesus said, ought not this woman being daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound, Satan bound her for 18 years, be loosed on the Sabbath day, you hypocrite. Now let's talk about the price tag of Israel. Here was a woman that was bound over for 18 years, but she didn't know that she had a covenant with God. Jesus called her a daughter of Abraham. We're going to really get into that. But Abraham had a covenant with God, and she was the seed of Abraham, a descendant of Abraham. She had a covenant, but she didn't know it. She didn't know it. So for 18 years, she walked bowed over because she didn't know it. She didn't know it, the price tag of ignorance. She didn't know that she had a covenant of healing. Exodus 23, 25, God spoke to his people. He said, if you serve me, I'll bless your bread and your water, and I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. Notice, she, the covenant that she had, he'll bless her bread and her water. That's material provision. I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. That's what God said to his people. They had a covenant. And even though she was bowed over for 18 years, she didn't know she had a covenant of healing. How many many people, how many Christians don't know that they have a covenant of healing? How many Christians don't know that they have a covenant of wealth? She just didn't know the price tag of ignorance. Satan took advantage of her because she didn't know. Satan bound her, not God. It wasn't God's plan. God didn't have a purpose for her being bound over. She didn't know. How many Christians don't know they have a covenant of wealth and they go all their life struggling to pay their bills, working every day, barely making it, in debt, bound by debt, can hardly make it from payday to payday, but they don't know that they have a covenant of wealth. Do you know that you have a covenant of wealth? Now, listen at this as I close. The manifestation of this woman's healing followed revelation. It followed revelation. She didn't get healed until Jesus said something to her. He said, woman, you're loose. Don't you know you loose? Don't you know you have a covenant? And then the Bible said, touch her then she was made straight. Now notice made straight was the manifestation, but the manifestation did not come until there was transformation. Sounds like Romans chapter 12, verse two, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can discover and discern the perfect will of God. The perfect will of God is manifestation, but manifestation does not take place until there's a transformation of your mind. And that's what these lessons about. They're about transforming your mind so that you will know that you have a covenant and then you can walk in manifestation.
Healing was this woman's right before the manifestation took place in her life. Even though she didn't have a manifestation, she still had a covenant. She still had a right. She just didn't know it, the price tag of ignorance. Just because it's not manifested doesn't mean it's not your right. You say, well, I don't have any wealth manifested. I don't have any prosperity mail. I'm, I don't have my needs met. I don't have abundance. Well, just because it's not manifested doesn't mean you don't have a right to it. Are you listening to me? Listen, I got to close. But we're not Finish. I want you to go back and listen to this episode. I want you to listen to episode one and episode two. Listen to episode one, listen to episode two, because these two episodes are the foundation of what I'm going to say the rest of the way. Listen, I know you were blessed because I got blessed just sharing it with you. I pray that you walk in the fullness of God. I break the power of poverty, lack of scarce, unfulfilled desire of your life. I loose abundance to you in Jesus' name. I got to go, and I'll see you next time. I pray you have a great week.